Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Um Talha Speaks podcast, where inshallah today I am very excited to get started with a new season that I've been looking forward to so much. Um, I have had to kind of schedule interviews and recordings with various sisters, so there has been a bit of lag time with regards to actually getting these episodes out. Um, but I'm very excited, mashallah, to start with somebody very close to me today. This season, inshallah, will be hearing from sisters who have embraced Islam, regardless of how recent or old that conversion has been. Um, we'll be hearing, inshallah, about their journeys, what brought them to Islam, and their experiences after being Muslim. Um, so today's episode, will be hearing from a woman who is very dear to my heart. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect her. Um, and one of the things to bear in mind as we go through this season, as we go through these stories, is that these are people's actual lives. We're not listening to stories from a book. We're not listening to fictional stories in a movie. These are actual experiences and actual stories of the lives of our Muslim sisters. So we need to be conscious of that and aware of that and respectful of that as we go through and listen to whatever it is that they have decided to come forward and, and share with us. So without further ado, I would like to get started with our first sister. Um, um Ahmed has willfully, mashallah, and generously agreed to this interview. So, assalamu alaikum. If you can just go ahead and introduce yourself, welcome to the show. Wa alaikum salam. Um, my name is Um Ahmed. Um, I have been Muslim for 34 years. Masha'Allah, welcome. It's it's an honor to have you on today's show. Subhanallah, 34 years, that's a long time. That's probably longer than most of our listeners have even been alive longer than I've been alive, longer than social media has been out there, probably even the internet has been out there, mashallah. So I'm sure your journey to Islam was very different to many of the people nowadays that we find who are coming across Islam perhaps through posts on the internet, through Instagram, Facebook. Would you mind to just give a bit of a background into what got you interested in Islam or how you found out about Islam? Did you always know about it? Um, just for us to have a bit of understanding of what was it like 34 years ago for those who were interested or, or learning about Islam at that time? Well, what brought me into Islam? It was, um, I, it was in the 80s. You know, I was born and raised Christian. Um, Baptist, actually, but um, in the 80s, you had where um, I'm from the United States, where the U.S. government had brought um, drugs into the black community, had, um, you know, what is it, you know, and the people got very long prison terms for taking them. And they also, like, they had told people that if you were gay and or um, or intravenous drug user, or you were sexually active, you needed to get hepatitis B shots. 
And then later we realized that hepatitis B shots gave people AIDS. So you had both the drugs, the AIDS, and um, the long prison sentence. And I had um, three children at the time, and I was very terrified um, at what I was seeing because it wasn't just, you know, those people had AIDS or those people were doing drugs. It was actually in my household. Um, so I was terrified, and I wanted to to know what was the right way what was actually, what was life about? I knew that, you know, the life I was living and then I saw, you know, my community and my family living, it just didn't seem to to be like, it was like, this is what we were put on earth to do. So I started going to church and um, uh, this was a Pentecostal church because I, I was raised Baptist and I knew that um, the, well, the Baptist wasn't, my answer. So I, my mother told me to go to a Pentecostal church. So I started going and the um, preacher or minister, whatever he was, um, gave me a new standard version of the Bible and told me to read it. So after some months, I did open it up and I saw in it that it said women should cover their hair. Um, you shouldn't eat pork and you should avoid people who put ornaments on trees. And I knew that this was something that Christians did. And I had been asking God for a whole year. Every night I would say, God, please show me the right way. So, um, by reading, going through this book and knowing that I, I have been myself asking God to show me the right way. And the only people that I knew that covered their hair and didn't eat pork, I didn't know at that time about Christmas, but I knew that there was the Muslims who didn't eat pork so and covered their hair. So I felt that that was a sign that God was showing me that Islam was the right way. Even though at that time, I didn't really know any Muslims, um... You know, I did find, you know, I I did know, but I didn't, you know, none of my close friends were. So um, I found this man, um, a family member, and, you know, I took my shahada about a week later. Subhanallah, it's so amazing that you mentioned that it was through the Bible that you were actually even kind of signposted or guided to thinking about Islam. I mean, that comes, what, what comes to mind after hearing that is the truth of the matter and the fact that all of the prophets actually came with Islam, teaching that Allah is one, that there's one God who isn't like his creation whatsoever. And they came with very similar rules, like none of the prophets, their nations were allowed to eat pork. So even though the Bible isn't actually what was sent down to Prophet Isa السلام, to Jesus, there are remnants of what sent of what was sent down to him remaining in the Bible nowadays, even though it is tampered with. Um, so it is understandable that yes, there will be similarities in the religion of Islam and what people nowadays follow as Christianity and what people nowadays follow as Judaism, because the origins of what was sent to Prophet Musa and to Prophet Isa was 
the religion of Islam. But I don't think many people nowadays even think it's possible that a person could research into Christianity or Judaism and therefore be guided to Islam. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides who he wills. Um, SubhanAllah, that really is such an amazing background story. But then also to think about the context of your life at that time, and you were saying things that you were witnessing within, within your community. I think many people nowadays, especially those who have been raised as Muslims, can't really imagine or can't really relate sometimes to the experiences that non-Muslims have that push them to Islam or that guide them to Islam. And it's really, mashallah, it's, it's just, it's amazing to hear of personal life stories of what guides people to Islam. And alhamdulillah, you have been guided and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep you guided. Another one of the things that I found really interesting, and I think probably more people nowadays can relate to with the advent of the, of the internet and having so much information available, is that you kind of came to this on your own, through your own research. It wasn't necessarily that you had a friend um, or even somebody that you knew or even a television program, for example, that you were looking into. Um, how would you say that that journey was of self-guidance like how do you go about learning about a new religion all on your own and kind of what was that process like and and how long did it take before you felt like you knew what it was that you were doing or were supposed to be doing um it took me about a year or so because like i said i didn't have um, any Muslims around me to kind of help me or guide me, you know, I had, um, you know, I, I was going to do it myself. I felt, um, because, you know, I, as I said that I had felt that God was showing me that way, but, um, I didn't have any friends that were Muslim. So by the time I was able to find people who could, you know, tell me, you know, the Muslims, like, you have to do this, you have to do that, you know, you don't do this, you don't do that. And it wasn't just, um, orders, but, um, it took me about, it took me about a year before I realized. So even though I think a lot of, a lot of people can't necessarily relate to embracing Islam if they've been born Muslim, or even amongst people who have embraced Islam, each of their stories is so unique and each of their experiences is so different that it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all type of description. But I think what everybody can relate to, if they've ever kind of gone into a new community or joined a new community, moved off to university and had to make new friends, moved to a new town, went to a new masjid, is kind of this sense of isolation in the beginning, that you don't actually know these people, you don't have previous experiences with them. Can you talk a little bit about what gave you consolation when embracing Islam, which was a completely new community to you, a new religion, a new lifestyle. What kind of helped 
keep you going and and gave you that encouragement that yes this is actually where you belong even though maybe the people at the master didn't look like you or they didn't speak the same language as you and and like you were saying your community the vast majority of them weren't muslim so as i'm sure was the case was feeling a sense of isolation what kept you going i feel honored that I um, am of the religion of all of the prophets, you know, going back to Adam and Eve, um, not just, you know, my immediate family or, you know, I belong to, you know, this tribe or I belong to this clan or this block or this country, you know, I can, you know, I belong to the, to the family and the religion of the prophets going, you know, all the way back to Adam. MashaAllah, the way that you explain that is really so powerful. SubhanAllah, I think many times as Muslims, we don't take advantage of the fact that our community actually is very large. As Muslims, we shouldn't only identify with this tribe or this block or this country. The Muslim nation is the ummah. This is, this is the nation of the Prophet والسلام, and we are one. Alhamdulillah, that really is such an amazing perspective to have. And subhanAllah, unfortunately nowadays, yes, there is a lot of division amongst the Muslims and a lot of different groups and sects and this type of thing. As a new person coming into Islam, is that something that you noticed yourself or was it the case that you had somebody who kind of took you by the hand and you've you've kind of stuck with them ever since day one can you explain a little bit how you kind of navigated the differences that you found amongst the muslim community the first muslims that i came across they influenced my um progression into islam was that the first year, the people were very, very ignorant. And I was new to Islam, but I knew that they were ignorant, that they didn't know. So that made me, when I did find people that knew, that made me want to hold on to them and whatever it took and not to let go because I knew what was out there. You know, it's sad, you know, it's, you know, people you know, are calling themselves Muslim, um, and they don't, they don't learn, you know, you have girls who don't wear a scarf and their families are kicking out them out of their house saying that they're kufar. Um, it's, you know, it's really sad, but the first Muslims that they actually helped me, um, when I did find, um, like I said, you know, people who are studying who I trusted and my husband trusted, um, you know, help me hold on and try to stay with them until, you know, I'm still with them to this day. Now, I hope you're not offended by this next question. Um, but I do know that amongst those who embrace Islam, whether they're male or female, many times people assume that their conversion is because of 
a significant other, whether that's a spouse or the mother or father of their children, however it may be. As many times you find that a Muslim will get into an intimate relationship with a non-Muslim and then that non-Muslim subsequently embraces Islam, which is a good thing. Um, But many people, unfortunately, will say that the conversion wasn't real or she didn't convert from herself, she converted for him. Which even from the perspective of Islam, there's no validity in making a claim like that. But was that something that you yourself experienced? I mean, I know you mentioned that you didn't necessarily have somebody who brought you to Islam, but was that something that you experienced yourself, kind of that viewpoint that other Muslims may have had that you came to Islam because of a significant other? I came in on my own. After I did get married, after being Muslim for about six months, and then, you know, being married for about 15 years, when I did get divorced, I did have, you know, a lot of questions. Are you still covering? Are your children still covering? Are you praying? You know, they associated my Islam with that man, which he had nothing to do with me becoming Muslim. I was Muslim before him, you know, so it kind of hurt my feelings like, you know, wow, you know, why would you guys think just because, you know, I'm divorced that my Islam is, is just shattered? You know, I I was personally, I was Muslim even before I knew about this man and I didn't, um, you know, come in looking to get married or you know, having known about a Muslim guy. So, um, no, it was very hurtful. SubhanAllah, being married for 15 years, for those of us who are younger and kind of just starting off on our married journey, that's definitely not something to underestimate or undervalue. May Allah, may Allah protect you. Um, if children came from from your marriage, or if you have children, can you kind of think about or talk about what you were able to give your children through Islam that you wouldn't have been able to give them had you not embraced Islam? I think for those who have children, whether they have embraced Islam or whether they were born Muslim, there's this concept of wanting better for our kids. And as someone who has chosen Islam for yourself, clearly that's something that you wanted for your children as well. Was there anything in particular that stands out that you were really happy to pass on to your children as a Muslim that you maybe can see amongst your family or amongst your community that without Islam, they weren't able to, or it wasn't as easy for them to pass that on to their children? I do have children. And what I am happy to raise them with is that I had learned um, that all the prophets came from, I mean, came and taught that you must preserve your sanity, you must preserve your lineage, you must preserve your property, and you must preserve your honor. 
I mean, that I was very, very happy to pass on to my children because I think that that was a down, downfall for the, um, for the Black community in America. But those things, um, I was very happy to pass on to my children. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware, but most of the audience that listens to this podcast is relatively young. I would say probably between 20 and, and 30 years old. Um, so maybe from amongst our listeners are those who will share this podcast with a friend who is considering Islam or maybe a, a woman who is considering Islam will come across the podcast on her own. Is there anything that maybe you can advise from your journey for somebody who is thinking about embracing Islam or they're looking into it, researching into it, or whether it's the right time to take that step? Or maybe they're waiting for something. They know that they want to become Muslim, but they're waiting for a specific time for it. Is that something that you can shed a bit of light onto? I would tell them um, to go ahead on and do it because we don't know when their time um, is going to be up and they don't know. I have, you know, family members that say, okay, when, you know, when my grandfather passes, you know, I'm going to become Muslim or, you know, when I break up with my girlfriend, then I'll become Muslim. And I mean, you know, the grandfather, you could die before the granddad. You know, or, you know, I mean, you can die before you break up from the, with the girlfriend. And it's like, these things shouldn't be, shouldn't hold you back because you can still be, um, a Muslim and not even tell your grandfather if you don't want to, or, you know, um, still have your girlfriend. Yes, you're a sinful Muslim, but you're still Muslim. And, um, you know, I, I would tell them just, you know, whatever is holding you back, just, just, just do it because this is the most important thing in your life. Um, it will help you in your death. I mean, you have the, having the girlfriend, the girlfriend can't help you after you die. Your grandfather can't help you after you die, you know, but you become Muslim right now, you know, you die, you know, five minutes later, inshallah, you know, you, you won't, you'll die with no sins. Now, this next question, I think, is probably the most valuable question for those amongst our listeners who haven't embraced Islam themselves or maybe haven't had very much experience dealing with those who have embraced Islam. Or maybe they have come across them, but haven't had very personal interactions or very personal relationships with them to know much about their experiences or how they feel about coming into this new community. And I know from, from myself and the experiences that I've had dealing with those who have embraced Islam is that there can be a very big gap in understanding of experiences because Many of the experiences that those who were born and raised as Muslims have are vastly different to those that people who were born and raised as non-Muslims will have, which is something that we'd hope. We would hope that Muslims don't have experiences of 
kufr and experiences of sin and where things are nowadays with the media and young Muslims being so impressed by so much of what is haram and so much of what those who embrace Islam are looking to leave behind. Is there any advice that you can give for kind of bridging that gap in understanding of the experience that some Muslims, some new Muslims may have in their journey of completely changing their lifestyle? They've, they've changed their religion, but what comes along with that, of course, is a complete change in lifestyle and more advice for the Muslim community who will support them in this journey. Are there any kind of practical tips that you can give to help the Muslims of the community help those who have embraced Islam? Um, I would advise them to just, you know, try to be patient with them and um, don't look down on them and just try to, um, you know, try to guide them, try to teach them, you know, but don't, um, you know, don't look down on them because they might have, you know, an alcoholic dad or alcoholic mom, or they may have themselves been an alcoholic, you know, because, um, you know, some people have had the benefit of having Islam in their families for 500, 600, 1,000 years, more than that. Um, then these newly converts, um, they don't have that, you know, or maybe they could, you know, maybe a 500 years, a thousand years, their families were Muslim, but these, you know, nowadays, um, you know, they don't have that. So they may have been raised different. They want, um, they want better for themselves. They want better, you know, for their children, you know, but to look down on them because they had a past, you know, um, from what I've been told that the Sahaba also had a past and they were, you know, amongst the better people, they're way better than we are. So, um, I would just advise them to, for their, for their own selves, um, just, just try to be patient and, um, you know, try to get the reward of helping, you know, helping a new Muslim. MashaAllah, that's such useful and practical advice which should actually be used with dealing with anybody is understanding that each of us has struggles each of us has a family with struggles and being judgmental doesn't help anybody understanding that all of us have things that we find difficult. All of us have things that we are ashamed of. And the Prophet ﷺ mentions that the one who conceals for his Muslim brother or sister a defect, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will conceal his defect on the day of judgment. So it's just, subhanAllah, it's, it's so useful and enlightening to hear this not only as general islamic advice but from the perspective of somebody who has gone through it from the perspective of somebody who has experienced it because sometimes that hits the heart in a different way 
And I know this may have been a very personal topic for you to speak about, and it may have caused you to dig deep into things that you haven't maybe thought about in a long time. But I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant you sincere intentions in doing that because without a doubt, there are those amongst us who will benefit from your story and the gems of advice that you have had to offer. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you greatly for that and keep you guided and grant you the highest levels of iman. Jazakumullahu khayran for participating, Um Ahmed. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you health and success and piety. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you very much. MashaAllah, there you have it, ladies. Our first episode of Our Sisters Who Have Embraced Islam with Um Ahmad. And inshallah, you have enjoyed and benefited from listening to her story. And I do hope that you stay tuned for the other episodes coming up with different sisters who have had their own experiences, mashallah, all of whom are very dear to me. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect them all. We look forward to you listening in the upcoming episodes. Walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.